You're listening to the Bank of Marquis Movie Podcast. I'd like to lead you all in a little prayer. Dear Lord, may our feet be swift, may our bats be mighty, may our balls be plentiful. And Lord, I just like to thank you for that waitress in South Bend. You know who she is. She kept calling your name. This summer, Tom Hanks is managing the impossible, the Rockford Peaches. Sound good. So let's all work for the girls' team. Let's give the poor coach a break. You're still missing the cutoff man. Now that's something that I would like you to work on before next season. Cause it's flash, flash. Columbia Pictures would like to take you out to the ball game for an all-star comedy. They'll pay you $75 a week. We only make 30 at the dairy. Well then, this would be more, wouldn't it? The manager, Tom Hanks. Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. The catcher, Gina Davis. What do you say we slip in the back seat and you make a man out of me? What if I smack you around for a while? Can't we do both? The pitcher, Lori Petty. I made it! I'm a peach! A Rockford peach! The scout, John Lovitz. Are you coming? See how it works is. The train moves, not the station. And batting cleanup, Madonna. What if my uniform bursts open and, oops, my bosoms come flying out? You think there were men in this country who ain't seen your bosoms? A league of their own. All right. God knows we have a game. It's not like any of this helps, believe me. Directed by Penny Marshall. And that, of course, is the trailer to the 1992 baseball movie, A League of Their Own, directed by Penny Marshall and stars Tom Hanks, Gina Davis, Madonna, Rosie O'Donnell, and Laurie Petty. Hi, I'm Andy, and I like movies. All kinds of movies. From classic Hollywood films, that's the films before 1960, to new Hollywood films, those are the films of the 60s and 70s and 80s, to modern Hollywood, those are the films from 1990 until today. And as I said, we'll be talking about the 1992 baseball movie, A League of Their Own. Just one moment. Now, the screenplay for this film was written by Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel, famous for many, many, many films, 
including Night Shift, Parenthood, and Splash, for which they were nominated for an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. It was based on a story from Kelly Candelay and Kim Wilson, with music by Hans Zimmer. Now, director Penny Marshall was inspired to make the film after viewing the 1987 documentary about the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, that's the AAGPBL. She had never heard of the league before and contacted the film's creators, Kelly Candley and Kim Wilson, to collaborate with the scriptwriters Bob Lou Mandel and Lowell Gantz. Now, Kelly Candley, her mother, played in the league, and her brother Casey was a major league infielder from 1986 to 1987. Now, director Marshall insisted that all actresses auditioning for the film had to prove that they could play baseball. And all the actresses cast in the film did their own baseball stunts. None of the performers wanted stunt doubles. Now, it's said that Lori Petty and Rosie O'Donnell were the two best players. This film was set to star Deborah Winger, but a few days before filming, she left the project and was replaced by Davis. Now, Davis' character was supposed to be one of the greatest female baseball players in America, and the cast had been training for baseball for months. But within weeks, Davis had mastered the game and was better at it than most of her co-stars. Filming the game scenes involved many physical mishaps. Anne Ramsey broke her nose with a baseball mitt while trying to catch a ball. And the huge bruise seen in the film on actress Renee Coleman's thigh was real. Get on with it. Yes, get on with it. We start the film with a wraparound scene, a scene that comes at the beginning of the film and will have its companion scene at the end of the film. Usually a person in the wraparound scene is reminiscing about something. And you can tell by the opening credit music that this is exactly what is happening here. An elderly, obviously athletic lady is packing for a trip. Her daughter tosses an old-timey catcher's glove, circa 1940s, into her luggage. You might need that. Where'd you find this? It was one of those cartons that came over after. Needs oil. <laughs> Who doesn't? This is Dottie Henson, or as her daughter says, Oh, the Queen of Diamonds, Dottie Henson? Margaret, I just don't think this is a good idea. Oh. The elderly Dottie downplays the trip. I, I'm not comfortable about this. I'm not really part of it. It was never that important to me. It was just something I did. That's all. Mom, when are you going to realize how special it was? How much it all meant? But her daughter insists, and off she goes on her trip. Two, the National Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. It is a reunion of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, the AAGPBL. Now, the nice thing about this film is that the extras in this scene and the corresponding closing scene are all veterans of this league. Now, Dottie walks into the stadium, sees the ladies playing ball, and starts to remember. 
fastball pitches in for the war effort. Trading bats for bullets, Yankee star Joe DiMaggio promises to give those Nazis a jolt. Meanwhile, Chicago club owner Walter Harvey, the candy bar king, met with other team owners at the famous Harvey Mansion as rumors persist that baseball may be shut down for the duration of the war. Walter Harvey, at this Harvey's movie's version of Phil Wrigley, is played by the terrific comedy director and producer Gary Marshall, brother of a League of Their Own director, Penny Marshall. Good luck, Mr. Lowenstein. We then go to a small town in Portland where two sisters are playing baseball. One is clearly the star of the team, and the younger sister wants to prove herself. Big pole on the right side. Okay, don't look. Well, if she pitches inside, you're gonna have to pull it, okay? I know. Cut her up! No high ones. I like the high ones. Mule! Next! These are sisters Dottie and Kit Henson, played by Gina Davis and Lori Petty. So while we get a scene showing that Dottie is indeed a baseball star, and Kit has Moxie, but needs to control her emotions, let's talk about the stars of this film Gina Davis and Laurie Petty. Much like the character she plays in A League of Their Own, I always get a sense that Gina Davis regarded her acting career as something that she just did and wasn't the most important thing in her life. She was born on January 21st, 1956 in Massachusetts. She learned piano, flute, and played the organ well enough as a teenager to serve as an organist at her congregational church. She became an exchange student in Sweden in high school and became fluent in Swedish. She then attended the New England College before earning a bachelor's degree in drama from Boston University. Following her education, Davis served as a window mannequin for Ann Taylor until signing with New York's Zoli Modeling Agency. Now, she was working as a model when she was cast by director Sidney Pollack in the film Tootsie, and she described it as a soap opera actress who is going to be in their underwear a lot of the time. Davis's character shared a dressing room with the Jessica Lange character in that movie. She next obtained the regular part of Wendy Killian in the television series Buffalo Bill, which was a wonderful smart comedy that, of course, was canceled after two very brief seasons. She then followed that up with guest-starring roles in TV series such as Knight Rider, Riptide, Family Ties, and Remington Steel, and then had her own series, Sarah, which lasted 13 episodes. She had a brief appearance in the film Fletch in 1985, and then would star in the horror comedy Transylvania 65000 alongside future husband Jeff Goldblum. They would reunite professionally in The Fly in 1986. Uh, this film was a commercial success and really helped to establish Davis as an actress. And then in 87, she appeared with Goldblum again in the offbeat comedy Earth Girls Are Easy. She then appeared in Tim Burton's smash dark comedy Beetlejuice in 1988 and her career really took off from there. She next starred in The Accidental Tourist in 1988 opposite William Hurt and Kathleen Turner, a role which brought her the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. She then appeared with Bill Murray in the not very good film Quick Change in 1990 and then starred in a film that really hit the zeitgeist opposite Susan Sarandon in the 1991 road film Thelma and Louise, directed by Ridley Scott. She received an Academy Award nomination for Best Actress for her role in that film. In 92, then, she starred in A League of Their Own, and then was in the comedy Hero alongside Dustin Hoffman and Andy Garcia, which wasn't as good as it could have been. She tried her hand at TV comedy in the sitcom Angie in 94, which wasn't very good and didn't last very long. 
and then starred in two movies directed by her then-husband, Rennie Harlan, Cutthroat Island, a really bad pirate movie in 1995, and The Long Kiss Goodnight, a very good action film opposite a young, slightly unknown actor by the name of Samuel L. Jackson. Stepping out of the limelight for a couple of years, she came back in 1999 as Mrs. Little in the children's movie Stuart Little. And as my son was born in 97, uh, Stuart Little was on constant play at our house in the early 2000s. She came back to star in the Gina Davis show in 2000 and 2001. This lasted all of 22 episodes. Came back as Mrs. Little in Stuart Little 2. And then starred in the TV series Commander-in-Chief as the first female president of the United States. This role did earn her a Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Drama Series. After that, her appearances in film and TV were few and far between. Now, interestingly enough, in July 1999, Davis was one of 300 women who vied for a semifinals berth in the U.S. Olympic archery team. Now, she placed 24th and did not qualify for the team, but participated as a wildcard entry in the Sydney International Golden Arrow Competition. She has since done recurring characters in such TV series as Grey's Anatomy, Glow, and the animated series She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. And I last saw her in the 2020 film Ava, playing the mother of Jessica Chastain's character. And this is a so-so movie, but there is a scene in the middle of this movie that's just Jessica Chastain at a table with Gina Davis, and it's mostly owned by Davis in this scene, and it is Oscar-worthy, This five minutes of this otherwise mediocre action flick. Nice retort. As for Lori Petty, she was born in Chattanooga, Tennessee, the oldest of three children born to a Pentecostal minister. She graduated from North High School in Sioux City, Iowa in 1981 and worked for several years in Omaha, Nebraska as a graphic designer. An offbeat and quirky actress, to say the least. Uh, Petty played offbeat and quirky characters like a female punk in All My Children and a hooker in The Equalizer. Before landing the role of Suzanne Dunn, opposite Richard Grieco in the Fox TV series Booker in 1989. This series lasted all of 22 episodes. After appearances in movies such as Cadillac Man and Point Break, she had her big breakout as Kit Keller in A League of Their Own in 1992 and then played Ray Lindley in Free Willy and Penelope in Poetic Justice in 1993. And then in 1995, she scored as Tank Girl in the cult classic Tank Girl. This movie is about a tank girl. After that, she did some voice work in Superman the Animated Series and the new Batman Adventures and did one episode of Star Trek Voyager. In 2019, she took on the recurring role of Lolly Whitehill in Oranges of the New Black and is still working to this day. Ooh, that one hurt. So long, milkmaids. Now the two sisters are approached by a baseball talent scout, Ernie Cappadino, the great John Lovitz. Now look, I know the goods when I see the goods. She's the goods. Will you shut up? Now it's not hyperbole to say that Lovitz carries the first 20 minutes of this picture. So let's talk about John Lovitz. Born in Tarzana, California, John Lovitz decided to go into comedy after being inspired by the comedy records of Lenny Bruce and Woody Allen from the 1960s. In the late 1970s, he was a member of the famed improv comedy troupe, The Groundlings. This led 
naturally, to a stint on Saturday Night Live from 1985 to 1990. It's really a part of what was known then as the third cast. Uh, when after one year, the third cast was all let go, Lovitz was one of only two actors asked to remain. In 1986 and 1987, he was nominated for an Emmy for his work on Saturday Night Live with such memorable characters as The Pathological Liar, The Master Thespian, Tonto, and Michael Dukakis. His distinct voice would lead him to voiceover work in animated films such as The Brave Little Toaster, an American tale, Fievel Goes West, and Eminem's The TV Series. He was the voice of the red Eminem. As for movies, he would have small parts in the films Jumpin' Jack Flash, opposite Whoopi Goldberg, Three Amigos, starring Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, and Martin Short, Big with Tom Hanks, My Stepmother's an Alien, Mr. Destiny, Tales from the Crypt, and they really jumped onto the silver screen as Ernie Cappadino in A League of Their Own in 1992. And as I said earlier, Lovitz just carries the first 20 minutes of this film. After leaving Saturday Night Live, he would do a series of forgettable comedies such as Loaded Weapon 1, The Coneheads, City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold, North, and Trapped in Paradise. In between there, he would reprise his role of Ernie Cappadino in A League of Their Own, the short-lived TV series based on the movie, and then would have guest star in TV series such as Seinfeld and The Naked Truth. In 1999, he was asked to come in and replace his friend, Phil Hartman, in the TV series News Radio. Hartman was tragically murdered by his wife in a murder-suicide, and with a heavy heart, Lovitz went in and filled in for his friend in the last year of that show. He played Peeper in the Adam Sandler comedy Little Nicky, Jay Peterson in 3,000 Miles to Graceland, played himself in the Bette Midler TV series Bet in 2001, and then appeared in such forgettable films as Rat Race, Dickie Roberts' former child star, and The Stepford Wives. Back on TV, he had some great guest appearances in shows like Friends, Just Shoot Me, and Son of the Beach. He would star as TV critic Jay Sherman in The Critic, an animated TV series that ran off and on from 1994 to 2001. He would play Mr. Marks in the movie version of the hit Broadway musical The Producers, which was based on a Mel Brooks movie. Mel in Benchwarmer, Dennis Lipschitz in Jutopia and the voice of Quasimodo in Hotel Transylvania in 2012. He'd do some guest appearances in TV series like New Girl and Hawaii Five-0, and would have an on-again, off-again recurring voice work on the hit TV series The Simpsons. Most recently, he was in the Adam Sandler film The Ridiculous Six, and guested on the TV series The Goldbergs, Hooked, and Saturday Night Live, and is the voice of Agent Toby Barks. He continues to work to this day and has one, two, three, four, five, six items ready to go. I can't use her. She's great. Why not? What's the problem? You know General Omar Bradley? Yeah. Well, there's two strong resemblance. All right, honey. You mean you ain't taking her because she ain't pretty? Well, look who just caught up. So Cappadino recruits Dottie, and upon Dottie's insistence, Kit as well as Marla Hooch, Megan Cavanaugh. Are you coming? See how it works is, the train moves, not the station. I do. Oh, this is making me sick. 
and he drops them off at Harvey Field, which is this universe's equivalent to Wrigley Field. Hey, cowgirls, see the grass? Don't eat it. Here, the movie does an interesting thing. Lovett's character, which has won over the audience by this time. Get out there, show them what you got, don't embarrass me. It's been a thin slice of heaven. Goodbye. He leaves the film. Wait, you're going? Ah, dry your eyes. Yeah, I'm just going home, grab a shower and a shave, give the wife a little pickle tickle, and I'm on my way. I'll see you. Yeah, but do- But what? Field, tryouts, play. That's it, get lost. Not to return until the final wraparound scene. I hate when they get attached to me like that. Dottie and Kit try out for the league and are met by two other competing players, Doris Murphy, Rosie O'Donnell, and May Mortobito, Madonna. Some of you are going to have to go home. Yeah, sorry about that. Come on, Doris. Those people are jerks. What do you mean, some of us? Do it. Okay, some of them are going home. Hey, how did you do that? So while tryouts are happening, let's talk about Rosie O'Donnell and Madonna. Rosie O'Donnell was born and raised on Long Island, where she attended Comac High School, where she was voted homecoming queen, prom queen, senior class president, and class clown. After graduating in 1980, she briefly attended Dickinson College, but dropped out and started doing stand-up comedy in clubs. She got her first big break on Star Search and would make her TV debut in 1986 as Maggie O'Brien on the TV series Gimme a Break. She was also Lorraine Popowski in the TV series Stand By Your Man in 92, and then burst onto the scene as Doris Murphy in A League of Their Own. Oh, I should say before that, she was doing stand-up comedy, and I actually saw her stand-up in the early 90s, and she was hilarious. After A League of Their Own, as she would say in her act, she had a lucky little streak in movies. She did League of Her Own, Sleepless in Seattle, Another Stakeout, which, yeah. Car 54, Where Are You? Then played Betty Rubble in The Flintstones in 1994. Sheila in Exit to Eden, and Roberta in Now and Then in 1995. She played Old Golly in Harriet the Spy in 96, and they did the voice of Turk in the Disney animated film Tarzan in 1999. In 1996, she began hosting a daytime talk show, The Rosie O'Donnell Show, which proved very successful for her, and she won multiple Emmy Awards and earned her the title The Queen of Nice for her style of light-hearted banter with her guests and her actions. She said she modeled it after the old Mike Douglas show of the 60s and 70s. After the Columbine shooting, O'Donnell became an outspoken supporter of gun control, and in 2002, she left her talk show. She also appeared on Broadway in such shows as Grease, and then was a panelist on the TV show The View from 2006 and 2007, where she became extremely outspoken for the causes she believed in and even started a dust-up with a pre-presidential Donald Trump. In addition to comedy, film, and television, O'Donnell has been a magazine editor, a celebrity blogger, and author of several memoirs, and also an outspoken advocate for lesbian rights and gay adoption issues. As for Madonna, there really is no bigger star in the universe than Madonna was in the 80s and 90s. She was referred to as the Queen of Pop and is one of the most influential figures in popular culture. Born and raised in Michigan, she moved to New York City in 78 to pursue a career in modern dance. She then rose to solo stardom with her debut studio album Madonna in 1983. She followed that up with a series of successful albums, including all-time bestsellers Like a Virgin and True Blue. She has many number one singles, including Like a Virgin, Like a Prayer, Vogue, and Four Minutes. 
But since this is a movie podcast, let's focus in on her movie career, which burned bright for a while and then fizzled. Besides appearing in all her music videos, she played Susan in Desperately Seeking Susan in 1985, which combined with her music hits really made her an international superstar. Uh, she teamed up with her then beau Sean Penn for the action film Shanghai Surprise, which had a lot of hype and wasn't very good. She then played Nikki Finn in Who's That Girl in 1987, Hortense Hathaway in Bloodhounds of Broadway in 89, and Breathless Mahoney in the Warren Beatty Dick Tracy in 1990. She next appeared in a Woody Allen film, Shadows and Fog, in 1991, and A League of Their Own as May in 1992. So she was beginning to leave the music video world behind and becoming an actress that was somewhat respected. She came back with the thriller Body of Evidence in 92 and was in a segment of The Awful Four Rooms in 1995. In 1996, she went for Oscar stardom, starring as Eva Peron in the movie version of the musical Evita, where she won the Golden Globe for Best Performance by an Actress in a Motion Picture, Comedy, or Musical. She was in the James Bond film Die Another Day in 2002 and sang the opening song to that. And that's about it. Practice today, you all have to get fitted for your uniform. So Dottie, Kit, Doris, May, and Marla, and a few other featured players we will get to know, all make the league and are put on the Rockford Peaches. The players are introduced to the uniforms and the rules for playing in this league by Mr. Lowenstein. Ladies! If you can't play ball in this, you can't play ball with us. Right now, there are 38 girls getting train tickets home who'll play in a bathing suit if I ask them. Oh, there's no pockets for my cigarette. There is no smoking. There is also no drinking and no men. All of your social engagements will be cleared through your team chaperones. Plus, each of you will have regular classes at Charm and Beauty School. So while the players go through Charm and Beauty School, let's talk about Mr. Lowenstein himself, David Straithairn. David Strathairn is one of those mark-of-quality actors for me. If he is in the movie, I feel pretty good about it being at least watchable. Uh, so he was born on January 26, 1949 in San Francisco, California, and graduated from Williams College in Massachusetts in 1970, where he met fellow actor Gordon Clapp, that's Mr. Carlson from WKRP in Cincinnati, and director John Sales whom he has collaborated with on a number of projects. Oh, he studied clowning at the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and & Bailey Clown College in Venice, Florida, and briefly worked as a clown in a traveling circus. He then spent several years hitchhiking across America to work in local theaters during summers. Now, during one of these summers, Strathairn reunited with Sales, and this eventually resulted in his role in the highly regarded Return of the Secaucus 7 in 1979. That was Sales' directorial debut and Strathairn's film debut. He played the small role of Wesley in Silkwood in 1983 and the man in black in the surreal The Brother from Another Planet in 1984. The guest roles on TV series like Miami Vice and Spencer for Hire and appeared in such prestigious movies as At Close Range and Medawan and played Eddie Sicott in the John Sayles movie Eight Men Out about the Black Sox scandal of 1919. After doing a few other TV series like The Equalizer, Wise Guy, and Heat Wave, he appeared as Colonel Craig Harriman in Memphis Belle in 1990. 
and, and starred in the prestigious TV series The Days and Nights of Molly Dodd from 88 to 91, one of those TV shows that kept getting critically acclaimed, but nobody would watch it. He played Carl Lindstrom in the TV movie O Pioneers in 1992, before appearing as Ira Lowenstein in A League of Their Own in 1992. From there, he did just a flash of films, uh, Bob Roberts, Sneakers, Passion Fish, Lost in Yonkers, The Firm, The River Wild, Dolores Claiborne, Home for the Holidays, Mother Night, L.A. Confidential, Simon Birch, A Midsummer Night's Dream, A Map of the World, before appearing in a few episodes of the critically acclaimed HBO TV series The Sopranos in 2004. In 2005, he was nominated for his one and only Academy Award, playing Edward R. Murrow in the George Clooney-directed Good Night and Good Luck. He has been a regular narrator on the TV series American Masters, appeared in the film We Are Marshall, The Spiderwick Chronicles, and two installments in the Bourne series, The Bourne Ultimatum and The Bourne Legacy. Starred as J. Robert Oppenheimer in American Experience TV series docudrama The Trials of J. Robert Oppenheimer in 2009, and won the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Mirror Series or Movie for his portrayal of Dr. Carlock in the HBO television film Temple Grandin. Had a recurring role in the TV series The Blacklist in 2015, was in the TV movie My Dinner with Hervé in 2018, played Blackjack Foley in Billions in 2017-2019, played Admiral William Stenz in a couple of Godzilla films in the late 2010s, starred as Commander Ashford in The Expanse, and is currently filming the Guillermo del Toro film Nightmare Alley, which also stars Kate Blanchett, Rooney Mara, and Bradley Cooper. I had 487 home runs for your baseball club, three in the World Series, two in Game 4 alone. I know that. That's why I'm giving you this job. Take it or leave it. I gotta feed the fish. Mr. Harvey recruits former Major League star manager Jimmy Dugan, Tom Hanks, to coach the Peaches. This character, it is said, is based on former Major League star and manager Jimmy Fox. It is clear that Jimmy's role is to add some star appeal to the league. He thinks it's folly, but needs the money. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first game of the All-American Girls Baseball League. The Peaches are ready to play the first game when an obviously drunk Jimmy Dugan comes stumbling in and... Peaches are leaderless, so Dottie steps up to lead. How hard can it be to make a lineup? Come on. Oh, yeah? Well, why don't you do it, Oregon? Me? Yeah, yeah you. All right, May, center field, lead off. She's good. <clears throat> Jimmy is introduced to the crowd. National League home run champ, Jimmy Dugan! 
bullshit. You can all kiss my ass. Yeah, that's right. Kiss my ass. So while Jimmy sleeps it off in the dugout, Daddy leads the peaches. Game's tied 2-2, the bottom of the ninth inning with two runners in scoring position and only one out. From the belt, here's the delivery. Daddy wins the game for the Peaches, and Mr. Lowenstein comes down to speak with Jimmy. Nice piece of coaching, Jimmy. I especially like that move in the fifth inning when you scratched your balls for an hour. Well, anything worth doing is worth doing right. It's made very clear to me what I'm supposed to do here. I smile. Wave my little hat, and I did that. So when do I get paid? Now, Jimmy, you have some pretty good ball players here. If you want to give them a little bit of your ball players, I haven't got ball players. I've got girls. Girls who want to sleep with after the game, and I don't know with your coach during the game. If we paid you a little bit more, Jimmy, could you be just a little more disgusting? Well, I could certainly use the money. The season continues. On the home front. They find them everywhere, north, east, south, and west, and even Canada. Players for the new All-American Girls Baseball League. Finally, Jimmy starts to get involved in the game, and the team. It's batter number 32, second baseman, Marla Hooch. Hooch. Marla. What are you, stupid? So Jimmy takes control of the team. A good time for an intermission. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Settle back now, content, comfortable, well-fed, and ready for some fine entertainment. Is everybody happy? Then let's go. It's showtime. So, with two runs in the sixth, South Bend gets even. And we're back. Now, the Peaches are bonding as a team, and Jimmy is managing, which includes, at times, the need to be stern with his players. Hey, Evelyn, can I ask you a question? You got a moment? Mm-hmm. Which team do you play for? Well, I'm a Peach. Well, I was just wondering because I couldn't figure out why you would throw home when we've got a two-run lead. You let the tying run get on second, and we lost the lead because of you. Now you start using your head. That's that love that's three feet above your ass. Now this film balances what Hanks has in abundance, strong acting chops combined with terrific comedic timing. (laughs) Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. Why don't you leave her alone, Jimmy? Oh, you zip it, Doris. Rogers Hornsby was my manager, and he called me a talking pile of pig shit. And that was when my parents drove all the way down from Michigan to see me play the game. And did I cry? No, no. No, no. And you know why? No. Because there's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in baseball. No crying. What's the matter, Jimmy? What? She's crying, sir. I didn't mean to do that. Perhaps you chastise her too vehemently. Good rule of thumb. Treat each of these girls as you would treat your mother. 
You want to ever tell you look like a penis with a little hat on? You're out of here! Oh, no, right no, no, now, no, Jimmy, you, I heard you that! Misunderstood. You misunderstood me! You misunderstood me! You can't throw me out for that! No, one you got a and if you want to hear more about Tom Hanks, check out episode 15 of the Bank of Marquis podcast, the one on the Green Mile. It's not like any of this helps, believe me. The Peaches in the League start gaining in popularity, and Jimmy and Dottie have grown a close, professional relationship. How come you're not in the army? I have no cartilage. In my knee. Not that you need cartilage to shoot Nazis. You need this, right? Trigger finger. I could do that. Now, the smart thing that this film and director Penny Marshall did is to not make the relationship between Jimmy and Dottie a sexual one. It is a platonic friendship, wonderfully played by Hanks and Davis. They have really good chemistry with each other. Now, this friendship is built on mutual respect for each other. So with that in mind, let's talk about the director of this film, Penny Marshall. Born in the Bronx, New York in 1943, Carol Penny Marshall was a gifted comedic actress who turned into a very talented film director. She's the daughter of Marjorie Ward, a tap dance teacher, and Anthony Wallace Marshall, a director of industrial films. She's the younger sister of actor, director, and TV producer Gary Marshall, who has a cameo in A League of Their Own. She began her career as a tap dancer at age three and later taught tap at her mother's dance school. She eventually would move to Los Angeles to join her older brother Gary, who was a TV writer by this time, uh, most notably for the Dick Van Dyke show in the middle 60s. Her first screen appearance was in a Head and Shoulders shampoo commercial. She played the homely girl, while some gal by the name of Farrah Fawcett was the pretty girl. She would audition for the role of Witchy Poo in H.R. Puffin Stuff, but would lose that role to Billy Hayes. In 1968, Marshall accepted an offer from her brother to appear in a movie he had written and was producing called How Sweet It Is, which starred Debbie Reynolds and James Garner. In 1970, she got her big break as Oscar Madison's secretary, Myrna Turner, on The Odd Couple TV show. She also played Mary Richards' neighbor, Paula Kovacs, on a few episodes of The Mary Tyler Moore Show. She next landed the role of Laverne DeFazio in an episode of Happy Days, where Fonzie was trying to get Richie out of a dating slump, and so he grabbed two loose women that he knew, Laverne and Shirley. Obviously, these two characters became so popular that they spun off into their own TV show, and some would argue a TV show that eclipsed some of the earlier Happy Days shows. And she would play Laverne DeFazio from 1976 until 1983. During that run, she would direct a few episodes of the TV series, whetting her appetite, and so jumped at the chance to direct Jumpin' Jack Flash, starring Whoopi Goldberg in 1986. In 1988, she would direct Big, starring Tom Hanks, a wonderful, warm comedy that was a smash hit and became the first film directed by a woman to gross over $100 million. She would follow that up with the drama Awakenings, starring Robin Williams in a dramatic role, and Robert De Niro, which was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture. She would follow that up with A League of Their Own in 1992, Renaissance Man in 1994, and The Preacher's Wife in 1996. She would turn to producing and would produce Cinderella Man in 2005 and Bewitched in 2005. 
And then we'd knock around and direct some episodes of TV series like According to Jim and The United States of Terra, as well as doing uh, small bit roles in TV series like Frasier and Bones and in films like Alice Upside Down, Staten Island Summer, and Mother's Day. She would pass on December 17, 2018 from complications from diabetes. Fortunately, we won't need them anymore. Do you want a peanut? Back at the ball yard, Lowenstein and Harvey chat. What do you mean, what do I mean? We're winning the war. Our situation changed. I mean, Roosevelt himself said men's baseball won't be shut down. So we won't need the girls next year. And so while Lowenstein has his attention on the future of the league, tensions between the two sisters are growing. It was an important game. It put us in the playoffs. I could have finished. The way you were pitching still well could have hit off you. What's the matter, kid? You too big to finish your own games now? Hey! Don't start with me, kid! Daddy realizes that in order for Kit to grow, she needs to get out from under her shadow. All I know is you could have backed me up today instead of holding me back. I hold you back. It's like at home. It's like if you're here, I'm not here. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know what I mean. I know I'm wrong. I know you're right and I'm wrong. I know that. I just... I just get so mad. Why do you gotta be so good? Lowenstein realizes that Dottie has an issue. There's some friction there, but that's fine. That's no problem. Doesn't mean you have to quit the league. I I can arrange a trade, like uh, Racine, Kenosha, South Bend. uh... Just trade me or whatever, you better figure it out by tomorrow, okay? Otherwise, I'm going home. So Lowenstein does the only thing he can think of. He trades Kit. Bitch! What? I've been traded to Racine. So this then sets up a Dottie versus Kit contest in the final game of the championship series. I'd like to lead you all in a little prayer. Okay. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Okay, good. Uh, Lord... Hallowed be thy name. May our feet be swift. May our bats be mighty. May our balls be plentiful. And Lord, I just like to thank you for that waitress in South Bend. You know who she is. She kept calling your name. And God, these are good girls, and they work hard. Help him see it all the way through. Okay, that's it. Let's go. Okay. Daddy gets a hit off of Kit to take the lead. Kit is distressed and Daddy sees it. So when Kit runs through the stop sign to run into Catcher Dottie for the winning run, Dottie drops the ball. Or did Kit make her drop the ball? Or did Dottie drop it on purpose? Watch the movie you decide.
kid is the hero, daddy is the goat, and the sisters reconcile. Oh, daddy. Look, um, I'm sorry I knocked you over. No, you're not. You were blocking the entire plate. How do you expect me to even Look, get this? Look, that's the way the game is played. You did what you had to do. You just beat me. You wanted it more than me. I think I jammed my shoulder if it makes you feel any better. Little. We then dissolve to the final wraparound scene. Hey, Dottie? It's Dottie. Ah. And we watch the real-life veterans of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League playing the game they love. To the tune of Madonna's, this used to be my playground. Postscript. The film was released on July 1st, 1992 and grossed $13.2 million in its first weekend, finishing second at the box office behind Batman Returns. In its second weekend, it dropped just 15%, making $11.5 million and finishing first. It ended up being a commercial success, making $107.5 million in the U.S. and another $25 million in other territories for a worldwide total of $132.5 million against a production budget of 40 million. This film was well received by critics who praised the cast and their performances. During the filming of the World Series game, stars took turns entertaining the unpaid extras. Tom Hanks did puppet shows over the dugout, Rosie O'Donnell did stand-up comedy, and various actors pretended to be Madonna and sang her songs after the singer balked at performing for the fans. Now, not even Tom Hanks knew when he was going to be done peeing. Penny Marshall was in a stall with a hose and a bucket making the noise. The screenwriters wrote the part of Ernie Cappadino, especially for John Lovitz, who had a more substantial role in the film's initial cut. But during extensive post-production editing, the filmmakers used only his meanest comments and most obvious punchlines and found the audience was roaring with laughter at everything he said. Megan Cavanaugh and Tracy Reiner reprised the roles as Marla Hooch and Betty Spaghetti Horn in the short-lived A League of Their Own television series in 1993. Now, interestingly enough, Tom Hanks is listed first in the credits, but does not appear until at least 30 minutes into the film. In 2012, the film was selected by the U.S. Library of Congress for preservation in the National Film Registry Archives. And the movie's line, There's No Crying in Baseball, was listed as number 54 in the 100 top movie quotes by the American Film Institute. And what did the Bank of Marcus think of this film? Well, I think it's terrific. I give it a 10 out of 10, and it's my all-time favorite baseball movie. Next time on the Bank of Marquis Movies Podcast. I suppose it'd been better if I'd never been born at all. What'd you say? I said I wish I'd never been born. You've got your wish. You've never been bored. <laughs>
a chance to see what the world would be like without you. You have no identity. Oh, what do you mean, no identity? My name's George Bailey. There is no George Bailey. I'm going home and see my wife and family. Mary! Kids, I need you, Mary. Your brother, Harry Bailey, broke through the ice and was drowned at the age of nine. You weren't there to save Harry. You really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it away? Get me back. I don't care what happens to me. I want to live again. the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. That's what's coming up next on the Bank of Marcos Movie Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, email us at bankofmarquis at gmail.com. That's B-A-N-K-O-F-M-A-R-Q-U-I-S at gmail.com. Check out the website, www.bankofmarquis.com. And until next time... I'm watching you, Wazowski. Always watching.